Hey GT family, in case you didn't know, we have a new app. Search GT Church Decatur in the App Store to get it on any mobile device. Go ahead and download it now because it will come in handy today, this very service. You'll find information on events and the latest updates on the things happening here at GT. The app allows you to donate, to tithe, or to give to the giving campaign we have going on right now. Not only that, it keeps GT right at your fingertips. You can watch GT services live through the live stream, or you can catch up on the services through the podcasts. Like I said, it will come in handy today because the sermon notes are now on the app. So follow along and save your notes with each message, keeping them all right there and handy. So download it now and walk with us as we join you on your journey to fulfilling life that is found in Jesus. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I grew up in a, in a little town. You may, if you've heard me speak before, maybe you've heard me talk about living in Roberts or maybe you've read my book, but I grew up in a, in a little town. And if I was trying to think of one word to tell you about that town, I would say predictable. My life as I was growing up was predictable. I, um, you know, my, I have great parents and we, we had routines. Everything was kind of a routine and every night at 5.30 we ate dinner and, you know, it was just, it was good, but it was predictable. If it was uh, fall or winter, we'd go to the basketball games. If it was spring or summer, we went to the baseball games. That's just what it was. There was not a whole lot else to do there. So you just kind of did it. But I, I realized that when I was getting ready to um, talk about this, the unexpected, I realized that it really was when, when I was coming to the end of my sophomore year, when unexpected things started to happen. Uh, the first thing was our, our schools were consolidating. And um, I remember still standing as we did our last song at the last concert and everybody's crying because you know life is ending because the schools are consolidating. And, um, but it was in July, July 28th, because not only were schools consolidating, which was unexpected and something different, but we also were gonna be changing churches. And so my life just felt like, my predictable life felt like it was all over the place. That, that afternoon, we went to the new church. My mom and dad had worked uh, and helped get this building all ready. They were having an open house, and I came in, and there was just this little foyer. And I believe my mom and dad were stopping, talking to some people, but I was looking at the stage. And you may think, oh, I bet you're looking at like a cross or, or like I remember Hebrews 13, 8 was on the wall, but I didn't even see any of that because there was a it's guy so great to see that you was guys. up I'm in so front glad you're here today. with his family. And he, well, well, I know, let me tell you this. You will know that he's something special when he was wearing a powder blue leisure suit. And you know... <laughs> Oh my goodness, he was a singer in powder blue leisure suit. <laughs> but what was unexpected for me was that that guy was B.G. Nevitt and I would start dating him and never date anybody else and eventually get married. But the unexpected seemed to not be so bad after that. When I found out 
that he is at the school where I'm consolidating. Oh, it seemed like such a good idea then. You never know about the unexpected, do you? Well, today we are going to be looking at the Christmas story in just a little bit different way. We're going to look at the, the story from Joseph's perspective. Here, I want, to sh- I want to show you a video before we begin. Or maybe not. We'll see. What do I do? I show up with a pregnant wife who's just hours away from giving a birth after a 90-mile journey, and I can't even find a room! This is how I imagine us bringing a child into the world. Especially yours. I know. I know. I'm not the first man to have his plans rearranged by you. And I won't be the last. I guess that's what I'm saying, God. Is that I... I don't think I'm the world-changing kind of father. There's a lot more men in this world that are braver than me. I know who I am. You got the wrong guy. I'm I'm trying to say, God, I'm not enough. What? If you see a flicker of something inside this sawdust-covered heart of mine. Then I'll take a detour. (laughs) Oh, a really big detour. Even if I don't feel like enough, I'll still give you all that I have. <sighs> well, look at the scripture in your on your notes, Matthew 1, 18 through 24. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. 
When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, it almost could be a TV drama, couldn't it? I mean, if you think about it, the, all that has happened in that short pa- few passages of Scripture, you know, they were engaged, betrothed, engaged. Back then, engaged meant a whole different thing than engaged means now. Engaged was a very much, this is what's going to happen. And by, by um, the, the bridegroom's father and the groom both giving money to the bride's family, that was done. And then they legally signed papers. They were legally married at the engagement time. Then they would have, later, they would have the ceremony, and that's when they would actually start living together. So you could imagine, though, try to imagine what Joseph had to feel as Mary's trying to tell him what has happened. Do you think, I think this, I wonder if he was just stunned so much with I'm pregnant that he never even heard the Holy Spirit or an angel. He's just thinking, oh my goodness. I'm supposed to marry this woman, and she's pregnant. She's pregnant, and I'm sure that at the time, he faced a real dilemma about what he was going to do. Even when she told him about the angel, you know, could that really be true? But he could do what was customary in such circumstances and call off the marriage. And how he could do that is he could go to a priest or he could stand there in the public square and declare what had happened and why he was breaking off the engagement. And to do this publicly would call Mary out as an adulteress. She would be publicly scorned and humiliated, her and her family. At times, they even went so far as bringing the bride to the doorway of her father's house and stoning her when such had happened. But that isn't what Joseph wanted. See, he did not want her reputation ruined and her family disgraced, even though he did not understand what had happened. He was a man of honor. He was heartbroken, but he showed mercy to Mary. And, and it said in those scripture he was going to quietly divorce her. Um, as it became evident that Mary was pregnant, it would look like they had been intimate and that he was the one that had decided against the marriage and he would take the blame and Mary's dignity would be intact. 
But I want you to notice that Joseph, when he hears what the angel of the Lord says to him, he gets up and he does what's commanded. Because number one, life is an unpredictable journey of twists and turns, isn't it? It's an unpredictable journey of twists and turns. You know, when my girls were little, my husband especially liked to play the what if game with them. You know, what if this happened? What if that happened? What if you had a frog? What color frog would you like to have? That was his main one. He loved that question. When they were like, I don't know, five and three, you know, they thought they'd giggle and give him an answer, but he held on to that as they grew up. And, and he'd be like, okay, girls, what if you had a frog? What color of frog would you want to have? And, they, and they'd be like, Dad, we don't even want a frog. You know, Dad. But, you know, the what if game can kind of be fun when you're just doing it with kids. But you know what? The what if game can take over our thoughts when we are in a situation of uncertainty. Sometimes it makes you feel like, I don't even know how to follow God because all these thoughts. I, I love it that Joseph didn't let the what-ifs in his head determine what he was going to do. See, God told him to do something, and sometimes we talk ourselves out of it because we start thinking what if. But Joseph had unwavering faith. Look at Luke 2, verse 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And number two that you should write down is, when the unexpected happens, fear and anxiety often come as well. Fear and anxiety often come as well just because just because you're doing what God wants you to do, I want you to notice it's not always going to be easy. As, many, as, as well as probably it's going to be hard. You know, um, part of the video was cl- clipped off, but he actually was talking about the journey, the journey to Bethlehem because of this census that they had to be there. And I can imagine um, that trip. They say 70 to 90 miles, depending on which route they took. And you know, by a lot of accounts, you'll see a picture of Mary sitting side-saddled on the donkey, smiling. (laughs) She was nine months pregnant. She is not on a donkey sitting side-saddled, smiling. She is not. As a matter of fact, some of my research showed that most likely they they just brought the donkey with them to carry provisions, but she probably walked it. But if you think about it, even though she was young and she walked everywhere, 
It doesn't matter what, how good a shape you're in. That's 70 to 90 miles and you're 90, or nine months pregnant. We happen to have right now on staff two women that are about seven months pregnant. They're going to deliver in February. One of them came up the stairs the other day, and as she got to her office, she said, I just want to be able to walk up here without feeling like I'm winded, just because, you know, you're carrying a lot with you. So I really started to think about how this journey could have been. Um, a BBC journalist tried to take that journey. They, you know, they kind of think this is how they went. So he got a donkey, and he walked that route. And it took them nine days. Nine days. Well, I can pretty much guarantee that it took them longer. Because Mary was nine months pregnant. And ladies, if you think back or if you think forward, one or the other, think how, how big. If you've had children, nine months. Nine months. At, I, I happen to remember my mom, when she was pregnant with my sister at nine months, couldn't even be left alone because once she sat down, she couldn't get up. Because <laughs> she was too little and the baby was too big. But I can imagine, on that journey, you get everything going. You start on the trail. She has to pee. Okay, Mary has to pee, so we stop. And then, I mean, I'm sure she's just aching and aching, and just about the time Joseph thinks they've got things going, she has to pee. <laughs> I imagine the journey took a lot longer than they ever imagined. Could that be the reason there was no room for them? Because Joseph thought they had enough time, but he hadn't allowed that they were going to have to stop every little bit so she could pee? Because when you're nine months and that baby is pressing on your bladder, you just have to. And I think that we look at that journey lightly, and it had to be much tougher than what we even imagine. You know, in those days, uh, on a journey like that, they could easily be robbed. They could easily, it might be hot or it might be cold. I'm not sure at that time in that, in that era. But, you know, nothing was comfortable about being nine months pregnant and traveling. I had um, an interesting experience when I was about nine months pregnant. Um, I had driven home from work, and I remember sitting in my car thinking, what am I going to do? No, no cell phones back then. We had had snow the night before, and BG had um, scooped our walk so I would be able to get up, because I was trying to be super careful because I'm, I'm nine months pregnant. But... In the meantime, while we were gone, we had had some more snow, and they hadn't plowed out very well when I left that morning. So they had plowed, and by the time I got home, now the, the snow bank is about this big. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. BG does not, is not going to get home until between 9 and 10 o'clock. I could drive to my mother-in-law's, but then... I've got to drive 25 minutes, then I'll have to wait until somebody can come help me and go back, and that didn't seem like a good idea. So I did what any pregnant woman would do. I improvised, and I came up to the snowbank, and I threw my purse over, and then I threw the grocery sack over. Then I got up it, 
on it and I rolled over it. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do, right? I am so thankful that there were no cell phones back then because surely there would have been somebody that would have been, look at this lady. <laughs> I probably would have been famous for the lady that, that rolled over the snowbank, but it worked and I got in my house. So sometimes you gotta do what you can do. I can imagine that Mary and Joseph were pretty anxious about this journey and, and what was gonna be ahead for them. Nothing is always easy in a journey. In our own lives, we're really on a journey. And sometimes it's a journey we don't want to take. Because things happen, don't they? Divorce, illness, a job loss, death. But here's what I've noticed in my life. Every person that I've ever felt like I really admired has gone through some pretty tough stuff. Because what I've realized is um, that tough stuff builds character in us, doesn't it? It's not fun while we're in the middle of it at all, but that God is doing a work in the midst of some of that tough stuff. And we become better people. We become better people. Because see, if, if God would just do anything we want, whenever we want, we would probably be just spoiled, rotten kids that just expect God. I just need this taken care of right now. But God instead does something in our life when we trust him. And you know what? Even in the midst of some of the really tough things, we've got to trust him and say, God, I'm scared to pieces, but I trust you. You know, one of my favorite verses is um, 2 Timothy 1.7. It's not in your notes, but... It's um, one you're probably very familiar with. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And do you know sometime in the midst of it, I focus on that sound mind because God, I need to, that fear is just overwhelming me. And I just say that verse and I say, I've got a sound mind. I'm not going to be so fearful that I can't move forward in doing what God wants me to do. Look at number three. Unexpected change is coming. Will you embrace it? Unexpected change is coming. Will you embrace it? Matthew 2, 10 through 15 says this. When they saw the star, they're talking about um, the, the three kings, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And once again, Joseph obeyed. And he rose and took the child and their mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. Unexpected. Unexpected. Herod, Herod was going to kill that baby 
that little little one. And God said, move, go. And Joseph was so quick to answer. And something I have never noticed before, and I've read this story, I don't know how many times, but I had never thought about why did the kings bring the gold and frankincense and myrrh? Just seems like, a, I mean, that's not your typical baby shower gift, right? But if you think about it, they had that given to them, and then they were told to flee. And that's probably God's provision of how they were able to provide for their household because of what the gifts had been given to them. Isn't God good? He sometimes provides things you don't even know you need. And then it's there when you need it. For us, sometimes um, we don't always like the unexpected. I don't like the unexpected. I like, I told you I grew up with predictability, and I like predictability. You know, my husband, BG, would always say, why are you watching the Hallmark movies? <laughs> he said, I can tell you what every one of them's about. He's like, first, there's a guy and a girl, and they meet. Then there's conflict. Then they fall in love at the end. I said, isn't that wonderful? I love it. <laughs> He's like, why do you waste time? I want to show that I can't figure out. And then they, there's twists and turns in it. But I said, I really like things just to go well. I like predictability. But you know what I have found? God doesn't always want us to be comfortable. He doesn't always want us to be predictable. He doesn't always want us to, to know what's going to happen. I realize this, trusting God is a process, a series of choices and not a one-time event. You're gonna to have to learn how to trust him through different situations. See, it's, it's the ongoing journey that we call life. It's a cycle we repeat daily, hourly, sometimes even minute to minute that leads to consistent growth. See, sometimes we're overwhelmed but we just need to hang on because there'll be a time that we'll overcome. God will give us peace in the midst of it, but don't get too comfortable because most likely there's gonna be something else coming your way. But each time we go through that cycle, we become stronger, more mature. John 16, says, in this world you will have trouble. And sometimes we know that verse, I know that, that you know, in this world, we'll have trouble, but if, don't forget the rest of the verse. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. You're going to have trouble, unsolved problems, ongoing turmoil, tend to sometimes squash and suffocate us, and they try, listen to this, they try to overwhelm us, but we don't have to take it. They will try to keep you... Problems like this will try and keep you in a state of perpetual fear. But we have to learn how to fight the good fight of faith in spite of how we feel. Listen to this. Faith is a determined effort to absolutely believe that God can do anything even when you don't see it. And I'm going to repeat that because I just think that needs to sink in. 
Faith is a determined effort to absolutely believe God can do anything even when you don't see it. Boy, it would be so much easier if we could see it, wouldn't it? But that's not what God said. God said, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe when you don't see how it's going to work out. When you don't see how Rick's going to get the money that he is, it needs so desperately, yet God showed up at that last minute because of his faithfulness. Look at 1 Peter um, chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, and I purposely picked the message version for you to hear because I like the wording for, uh, a little bit better. Here's what it said. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. So I want to encourage you today. Don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the on the on the job. Sometimes you're going to have to take a step back and start looking for what he's doing in your in your life and say God, I believe you. I don't know how. I don't see I don't know what this is all going to work out, how we're going to make it through. But God is good and he will see you through. And you know, as we journey through the Christmas story, looking at it from Joseph's perspective, which I couldn't, I couldn't do everything I wanted to in this time period, but you need to read. Read the account in Matthew and read the account in Luke and start to look at it from his perspective. But I hope you realize through it that life might be hard. Goodness, if it should have been easy, it should have been easy for Mary and Joseph. And if they don't have it all together, they didn't have a room at the end. They didn't have things all pan out for them. Why do we think that, that we tell ourselves God doesn't love us because we are going through hard times? It is absolutely the biggest lie the enemy's telling you. God is saying to you today, I love you. I see the struggle you're going through, and I am going to make a way where you don't see any way. Because when we don't know what to do, our God sure does. The unexpected for us was totally expected by Him. He already knows that you feel like this is the roughest, toughest, most difficult thing you've gone through, and you don't know how you're going to take that next step. But God already has this. You know, at the beginning of the message, I started out saying, life is an unpredictable journey of twists and turns. But the good news is that while we don't always know what's going to happen, we can always trust God uses everything in our lives as an invitation to rely on Him more deeply and more completely. You know, when I was... Um, the summer of my, before my freshman year, I had a girlfriend ask me if I'd like to go to church, and I went with her, thinking I was just going to go with a friend, not knowing that I was going to make the best decision in my entire life. 
I didn't know that they would give me an opportunity to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That I could actually have a relationship with him, whether I could talk to him and he would impress things on my heart. I didn't know. It was totally unexpected what the best unexpected thing I've ever had in my life. And right now, I would like to give you the opportunity that was given to me. Let's pray together. If you will repeat after me. And if you are in this room and you've never asked Jesus, just say it from your heart. If you kind of struggle with kind of backsliding a little bit and you want to make sure that you are right with God, you say that together. All of us, we're going to join together. Father God, I come to you because I need you. I admit that I have sinned and I ask you to forgive me of every sin. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my King. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for those that have come in carrying heavy burdens today. Life's been difficult, but God, I know your peace and your comfort can be theirs. And God, we pray that as for each one here, God, at whatever time in our life where we need you the most, that we will remember that faith is trusting you even when we don't see you. And we're believing, God, that you're going to do miraculous things in people's lives, even today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, as you go, I want you to remember, as you read that story and you hear that story at Christmas time, I want you to remember Mary and Joseph were just like you and me. We sometimes think of them as superhuman and it was easier for them that they were in the Bible. But they are just people that said yes to God. And I would like to encourage you to say yes to God. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is do something unexpected this week. Why not be a blessing to somebody that they're not even, had never even thought about? Why don't you do something unexpected in somebody else's life and see what a blessing you can be? Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. We'll see you next week.